Shut up and sit down. It's a spooky episode. <laughs> so I keep forgetting, even though there's something coming up later in the episode that is spooktacular. I keep forgetting it's the spooky episode. It's the spooky episode where bad time is a flat it's circle. the evilest, it's just... meanest, cruelest, devilish spirits you've ever seen. <laughs> that's good. I like it. That's good. It's episode 320 of Third Shift, folks. And that's right. It is the episode that technically is like our Halloween kind of episode. But we don't always do a Halloween whole episode. But this year, you know what? We got a couple little spooks. We got a couple little things. And as I just kind of hinted at, we are the most evil, devilish ghouls you'll ever encounter. And you'll figure out why a little bit later in this episode. But for now, I want to introduce not only myself, Mr. Eric, who's always here, except for when he's not here, which is very, very, very rare, and the other son of a gun, the demon wrangler, the monster of Hades, the master, the legend, the something, or rather, I don't even know, the inglorious bastard himself, Mr. Matt, he's here this week. We've both got a bone to pick. But of course, before we do any of that, we've got to talk about what the hell happened this week, what we're up to, what's going on. Mr. Matt, you go ahead and start. What the hell's happening? I do have a bone to pick, but not with the majority of the week, because the majority of the week was a good week. Over the weekend, I went and saw Amsterdam, the movie with literally every Hollywood actor in it. Literally every single one. Like I saw a preview for it, and I was like, oh, Christian Bale and Margot Robbie and that uh, Denzel Washington's kid. Cool. And then like the scene would change, and it'd be three other actors I know. And then the scene would change to be three other actors. I was like, wow, look at this ensemble cast of craziness. And it also looks goofy and funny. And it was goofy and funny, and I enjoyed it a lot. I would say the only weird thing was, like, there is like an overarching mystery. And the mystery comes to a head, and there's, you know, like, oh, man, is, is the thing going to happen? Are we going to be able to stop the thing? And I was like, man, but... The rest of it has been such a silly, like, lighthearted romp that, like, I don't want my characters to have to, like, try and do a thing. I just want to enjoy them enjoying the world. But it was it was a fun movie overall. I really enjoyed it. A lot of the actors in it are some of my favorite actors. And I got to say, I wasn't going to say this on the podcast, but I'm just going to say it. Margot Robbie with short, dark hair smoking a Sherlock Holmes pipe might be the sexiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm just going to say it. That's I, was, I saw it and I went, whoa. My heart skipped a beat. It was magical. It was wonderful. It was love at first sight. Oh, it was love at first sight. Margot Robbie, if you're still available, Matt Barnhart's over here. Just look at him. Look at him go. He's ready to go. You know, go on a date. <laughs> go to Starbucks. Get a coffee. Man, that's... Wow. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate that. You're welcome. That. I was trying, I'm trying to help you out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but then another thing I did over the weekend was went to the Williamson Theater. Their new season started like this past week or the week before, went and saw the Magnolia Ballet Part 1, which was a really well-put-on play. Like, the story overall isn't something that would normally connect with me, but all the performances were just great. I loved the characters. The actors just pulled them off so well. And there's one actor who plays, he plays like a ghost, so he takes all kinds of different roles. And he was awesome. Because you could tell just from the way he was standing, like, what character he was going to be. And it was really subtle. Like, he had to, like, the way you'd kind of have his arms just, like, hanging or, or positioned. He did all kinds of voices. He was great. 
Then, like two days later on Monday, went to their Dark Knights in Billtown event, which is where they read a play, you know, professional actors and a director, and they, they just read it in front of you. It's not staged or anything. A play called The Snatching, which was hilarious and awesome, and I loved every second of it. The only seconds that I didn't love were afterwards when they do these. Usually it's a play they're kind of previewing to see if they're going to put it on in a later season. And they'll be like, hey, audience, what did you think? Let's ask you some questions. And theater is an old person's game. I'm always the youngest person in any showing that I ever go to. So it's always, hey, old people, what do you think? And what's the answer that old people always give for anything? I'm really confused. I don't understand. What the? I'm, oh, what's going on there? I'm so old. And I just went, oh, man. Old people, this was great. Don't change a thing, because they were talking about, well, maybe we'll edit this and change that. I'm like, no, don't. It was so good. But it was great. If anybody has a chance to hear it or see it, I don't think it's officially premiered yet, but you can get the script on, you know, the the play scripts, websites, all the ones. You can do that. On the video game front, you son of a bitch, Eric. I called you a dirty rat bastard last week. Oh, no. You're a double dirty rat bastard this week, because you were gone this week. I was gone. And I went, okay. It's Friday. I'm going to play some Overwatch 2. And hopefully, maybe my friend Eric will jump on. Maybe he won't. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some fun. And guess what I did not have in Overwatch 2 this week, Eric? I did not have fun. I didn't have a single ounce of fun. I started playing. I went, all right, I'm going in quick play. And quick play lies to you. Because it says, we'll match you with players of your skill level. No, you don't. That's a lie. That's a lie. Uh-huh. That's a lie. I was on every worst team we've ever had. Imagine the worst team we've ever had. In all of our years of playing Overwatch 1, Uh the absolute worst, dirt worst team, I was on those teams all night long. All night long. I didn't win a single match until the very end of the night, like 11.30. I was desperate. I was fiending. I was holding the controller. I was squeezing it. I was cursing. I was yelling. I looked at my match history. Defeat, 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 defeat. The whole thing. It was defeats. I got one win at the end of the night. I said, that's it. I, I give up. I've, I've at least done it. I've at least got my first win of the day after three hours of playing Overwatch 2 because they lied to me. They lied, and it's your fault. If you were there... We would have probably won a couple. Two people can possibly carry mm-hmm. a team, but one person can't do it. I couldn't do it alone. Oh, so you're a dirty rat bastard. You're a double dirty rat bastard for that one. Look, it just didn't work out, okay? <laughs> and then I played another game that we'll talk about a lot later. And then just this past... Just this past yesterday, just yesterday, on Wednesday, I needed a palate cleanser from everything else. And I went, okay, what's something that's guaranteed good? Because after I played this other thing we're going to talk about later in the episode, I, I went to my PlayStation and I went, okay, what am I not enjoying or not really going to finish? All right, delete that, delete that, delete that. What are games in my library I'm guaranteed going to love? Download, 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 download. And something that's been installed on my PS5 since day one is Ghost of Tsushima. It never went away. And I went, you know, I need a palate cleanser. I need something totally different than what I just played. I'm getting back in there. I'm playing the DLC. I don't think I did a single story mission, but I wandered all around that island on my scrawny little horse, and I climbed mountains, and I accessed temples, and I swung from ropes, and I uncovered secrets. I got a couple cool armors that I'd never seen. I remembered why I loved that game so much. Climbing up that mountain, and then... The music just popping in with a flute music as I turned the camera. Like, it knew I was going to do it. I turned the camera and see beautiful landscape stretch out before me. Get to the top of that mountain. 
I can see the whole island. I can see everything. Let me go over here. And the purple wisteria tree is. It's unlike any other biome in the original. The beautiful purple flowers. Oh my god, I couldn't believe it. It looked like an alien world, but it wasn't. It was phenomenal. And it, it buoyed my spirits. It made me feel... You can hear it. It made me feel so happy after all the misery in the video game front over the past week. So that was a great ending to my week in the recap zone here. So what about you, Eric? How was your week? Well, I just want to start by saying it shocked me because I totally, in my brain, had a story that me and Matt, we were done with the DLC. I beat it. I did all the things. I did every side quest, did everything. I don't know why. I just thought you had. I was like, yeah, Matt's done too. We've we've smashed that game. It's over. That game is gone in the books. Then you're like, yeah, man, I'm going to do this uh, DLC. And I was like, what? I don't understand. Like, are you just going to redo the DLC? Like, you just were like, I got to get back in there. I got to see it again. And, like, and then we were talking in the text. And, uh, of course, I was talking about 13 Sentinels. And you're like, no. And I'm like, oh, he hasn't actually done that DLC. He never did it. He never finished it. What the hell? Well, because Ghost was my stream game for the longest uh-huh. time. So I streamed the first bit of the DLC. And then something came out. I, I I don't know what it was, but something else that I definitely wanted to stream came out. And I went, well, maybe I'll bounce back and forth. And I didn't bounce back. I bounced to this game and never came back. But like I said, I kept it there. And after I beat finish every game, I go, well, maybe it's time to get back into that. And I went, wow, but I'd have to stream it. <laughs> so now I just gave up on that. It's like, okay, nope, I'm just going to play it. Play I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to do it. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, that DLC is fantastic. It was a lot of fun. So look forward to you uh, finishing it up and see where the story goes with old boy. And the uh, I don't remember her name anymore, but the main bad chick. The eagle. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's not even that. There's more. There's even more, man. <laughs> I'm sure. So it was my week. So the reason why I wasn't there this weekend is because I went down and visited family for the last time of the year. We are done. We are not traveling or doing anything else until spring of next year. We went down to Ohio for the last Halloween Kings Island shindig that we do every year since we've started the memberships, which is now only two years, and visited my sister and, uh, of course, brother-in-law. Now, on that Friday night you're talking about, we pulled out a few beers we put up the Harry Potter uh, game game table, got everything going, put out the old board game, and we just played ourselves like a nice three and a half, four hour long session on one of the hardest difficulties, minus the DLC, of the Harry Potter board game. And even with a couple beers and us all laughing, when the kids went in the hot tub, they had a bunch of fun, had a little movie night, did a whole thing. We beat the hell out of that game. It still took three, three and a half hours. But it wasn't even a, I didn't even feel challenged. I felt like we had that game in the bag. It was so much fun. Still very enjoyable. Definitely, uh, there's actually hard modes in that board game where you can add like uh, other Voldemorts and other, you know, villains to it to add to the difficulty level. So we were all talking about doing that. But then, of course, we still got the DLC stuff to do. So we were all very excited. And we were like, well, maybe we'll do it on Saturday night. I already knew that wasn't going to happen because we were up till 11.30 Friday night playing. Of course, people were having beers, having fun. I was like, yeah, they're they're not seasoned. You know, everyone besides me, they rarely ever drink or have beers or do anything. So, of course, the next day they were all exhausted. They are like, no, nah, hell no, we're going to bed at like 8 tonight. And then, of course, 
being that Saturday, we went to the uh, Kings Island, had a whole Halloween event. You know, they've got all sorts of really cool decorations up everywhere. And then at uh, the evening time, these big old like explosions happen. Metal music starts playing throughout the entire place. All the ghouls and zombies and monsters start coming out. They do like a little parade thing, and then they all go running off. You know, some of them hide in trees, some of them hide in trash cans, some of them are just running around doing all sorts of bizarro stuff. The Halloween, the haunted houses all open up. There's like eight of them at this point that you can go to, get in line for. All the rides are still open. It's just a really good time. This year wasn't as busy as last year too, which was really nice. So I was able to walk around without just being like a cow herded, you know, with like bajillions of people, not even really seeing what the hell's going on. So it was much more fun this time. And during the day, we went there early. So the kids got to ride all the rides they wanted to ride the last time of the year. And then, of course, they get to see the, you know, see the decorations and see the spook stuff. But, of course, then we went home, enjoyed some food. And then I tried to convince my oldest to come back with us for the evening, you know, scary stuff. She just bailed out the last second. So it was just me and the brother-in-law. We went and had a good old time. Did a couple haunted houses. Had a lot of fun. Did a couple rides. You know, it was just a good way to end the year, you know, visiting down there. So, of course, we came back home, and then I played a game, this one uh, new Tales game that we'll talk about later. Got through that, and then that was technically really going to be it, but I saved the day, and today is my day off of work. I do a four-day schedule, and I got back into Yakuza like a dragon. Ah, man, golly gee, what a good time that was. Just I'm in a, I'm I'm right at the like end end area where everything's going down. My uh, my 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 basically my father at this point. You know we had a moment together. Everything was resolved. Everything was fixed up. Of course, spoiler alert, stuff happens, and so I'm in the middle of that right now and just having a good old time with it. And there's all these little pieces and parts at play, like the old. Uh, second to Arakawa, you know, and and he, you know, he's he's working with the other baddie, but is he a baddie? He's not a good guy, but I, I think he's gonna turn a leaf because he also wants to find who who did the bad thing. And I'm about to go meet him, and I'm excited. I can't wait to do it. But of course, I got to finish dinner, and now we're here doing this, and that's all I'm thinking about. I'm just like, oh my god, I need to get back in there and go confront him and see if actually I'm going to have to take him out or if he's going to actually be like, whoop, no, I, I'm on your side. Screw that son of a gun. And of course, I'm being very vague because, I don't know, if you're going to play this game, maybe you won't understand what I'm talking about, hopefully. But so good. I even got to the Millennium Tower. I thought I was going to be in the Millennium Tower, man. I thought that's what, I was, what we were going to be talking about. But all I did was just beat up a whole bunch of bad guys. And then some dude showed up, and he was supposedly probably pretty cool from another Yakuza, but I didn't know who he was. So I didn't really catch that, but he, then he was like, I super appreciate you, Ichi. I owe you one. And he laughed, and I'm like, well, it's probably pretty cool for people who know who that guy is, but I have no idea who he is. So it's still fun, still cool, but I didn't get the reference, so I was like, ah, man, I'm not a true fan. I'm out, I'm out on this one. But it was great, and it was a cool moment, and it was like a prelude to the typical, what you always tell me, the, the grand finale fight with the shirt off, and everything's going wild. So I can't wait to get to that moment. I'm just, I need to get in there. I need to get a good solid two and a half, three hours because I'm on it. I'm on that fast track. I'm I'm going to get through this, this and finish it. But I know it's a lie because I have a feeling I've got probably at least seven to ten hours left. I think you do. And you also need to, when you think you're at the final boss, you need to carve out 
more time than you think you will. Oh, because yeah. as I recall, there's a lot of cinematic ending. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, a lot, a lot. And obviously, you've seen that throughout the oh, game. Yeah. The cinematics go on for a long, long time. I remember the ending being really long because you do a thing and then another thing happens that you in cinematics, this happens and then that happens and this goes this far and blah, 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 blah. So when you get to what you think is the last boss, you're still going to have an hour or so. I don't know how long it was, but I remember it being really lengthy. And like I said, that was the part that was really like intense and the, the voice actor's performance was really good and the motion capture was really awesome. So it's not like, oh man, I'm just sitting here watching snooze thing. It was really awesome stuff was happening, but it's a long cutscene of it happening. So beyond all the hours, now I have an actual like an hour just of CG endgame. So ah, I don't know. I'm excited about it. It isn't going to happen tonight. I'll get back to it for a little bit, but I got to work tomorrow. So ah, very sad about that. I wish I could just not work. We need to not work. But I didn't win the lotto, which is also the only other thing I did this week, which was play the lotto. And I lost. Yeah, I did that too. I, you know, I bought a ticket. I was very, very sad about it. I didn't even get one number right, but that's beside the point. That was my week. That's what I've done up at this point, besides boring stuff nobody cares about. So there you go. But another thing that I've done is research a beautiful game, an, interest, an interesting game, and it caught my eye just because of the title. It's called Them's Fighting Herds, which released for Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch on the 18th of October, developed by Main6, published by Maximum Games. This is a game that's been out on PC for quite a while, and I told you the title caught my eye. What's that about? I'm imagining some indie game about like a cow, like a big crazy cow running and side scrolling and blowing stuff up. And I am right, but I'm not right because I went, okay, let me watch a review of it. And this is a 2D one-on-one fighting game where every character is a four-legged animal of some sort. And that's really kind of interesting and kind of strange. And as I was watching the gameplay of it, I went, this looks familiar This doesn't look like something that I've experienced, but something that's in my cultural repertoire that I know. I know the look of this thing. What is it? And as I researched it more and more, Them's Fighting Herds was originally developed, again, by Main 6, to be a My Little Pony Friendship is Magic fighting game. That's how they had it. They were building it. They had all the art assets. They had the characters, all this stuff. And then, of course, they got a cease and desist by Hasbro, but they got the character designer, the artist who did that show, which again, I've never seen, but I've, you know, I've seen clips of it on YouTube, to make all new characters and a brand new story for them, for them's fighting herds. So this is a game all about, there's like ghosts or shadows invading the world of animals, and as these different crews of animals in the story mode, you have to go around, fight the ghosts, do the things. But otherwise, it is just a 2D fighting game. And if you watch it, it's so strange because it looks, I mean, it looks like a cartoon, which is really nice, but watching four-legged animals fight it out with uppercuts and hadoukens and all these other things, it feels like it shouldn't work, but the art in it and the animations are so good that it does work. And it's just, I don't know, watching it, it's its impressive. Because I see the, the same style as that famous cartoon that everybody loved from the 2000s or whatever. And then the fluid fighting game motions. And the other thing that really impressed me is these are all original characters, obviously, since they can't use the license. But each character has these little moments, like maybe it's just their idle animation, or maybe it's, you know, when you start 1v1 fight, they each have these little animations or like little quirks of their character where you can tell what that animal's character is, because I mean, they, they talk and they have characters, but you can tell what they're all about just by this little animation quirk that they do. 
I'm like, oh, that character is, you know, the prissy, mm-hmm, you know, somebody pat me down with a powder thing. I don't know. It was really impressive. I really liked it. Obviously, it's a 1v1 fighter, so if you like those, you're going to like this. The only downsides to it are there are only seven characters right now, but now that it's out on more consoles, a season pass is coming, more characters are coming. So if you enjoy the gameplay and you just want more characters, that's coming. Like I said, there is a story mode. The other thing that I thought was awesome is watching footage of the story mode, it's like a a 16-bit RPG look to the story mode. You got little pixel characters moving around in a pixel world. It's not just that, but for some reason, it completely reminds me of Earthbound, one of my favorite RPGs of all time back in the day. It has that like charming Earthboundy or Mother Series look to it in the pixel art part, which is completely a different graphical style from the fighting game part. So that's really cool. So you got your traditional arcade, you got the story mode, you got online versus. But the online versus is really cool because in the online versus, you go into what they call a pixel lobby. So you create a character, you take one of the seven characters, and you can buy all these little accessories with in-game things and decorate them up, put hats and sunglasses on. And then you run around this little world and find the other characters by like literally running into their other avatars. And then you can fight and do all the, you, you know, the usual online stuff. But if you have an empty lobby, or if the lobby's full of people who are just beating your tail, you can go into the salt mines, which is a PvE section. And so now you're fighting AI characters, and you're earning salt, and you use that salt to buy more cosmetics to make yourself look cool in your little avatar. I don't know. It's just really charming, really cool. I'm interested in it. If I didn't have my New Year's resolution to not buy any new video games, I'd probably pick this up, just fight a few rounds and have some fun. Because it looks like a lot of fun. And if you don't like the look of them fighting herds, then I don't like the look of you. Oh, my name's fighting words. No, them's fighting herds. Bam. Gotcha. Shotgun. You need a shotgun that one. Pow, 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 pow. He did it, boys and girls. Matt just did it. That's a beautiful thing. And you know what else is a beautiful thing? It's an RPG that is out now. Okay? Holy bajosus. It's just what a time to be an RPGer. They just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And I keep going, this this one's probably not going to be great. This one's probably not going to be great. Then they keep scoring phenomenally, or at least good. And this one is Star Ocean The Divine Force. It is developed by Trias and, of course, published by Square Enix. It is out right now, 10-27-2022 on everything but the Switch. And this was one that I originally was going to pass over. I've told you I've played, like, one of the Star Oceans way back when... Kind of wasn't my thing. It was kind of difficult, kind of crazy, really grindy. And I've never touched them since. It's It would not be on if you were, hey, listen, if you go over on a little Patreon, subscribe, you'd start to see that we've got some stories we're talking about over there, like games and series we've missed, things we've missed. This would not be on that because I wrote it off. I kind of went, like, eh, whatever, not for me. So it won't be there. However, after looking at some reviews and checking stuff out and unbeknownst to me which i did know but then i immediately dismissed there's a demo you can go play the demo and check this demo out of the divine force on playstation 5 or you know xbox wherever you want to what did i do i went and downloaded it because here we go it's an action rpg everybody you get to be either two different protagonists one of them is raymond lawrence he's part of a spacefaring society Crash lands on this planet. He meets up with uh, Princess Leticia. The world he crash lands on is like stuck in kind of like an old school fantasy, you know, typical environment. And this other empire is invading her empire and she's trying to stop him from doing so. They team up. They go on this grand adventure together. 
And of course, as it goes, you unravel all sorts of cool plot lines, serious things that actually involves you being, you know, the spacefaring guy, her being this fantasy, you know, chick and this and that. It's cool. It's just so neat. I was like, wow, okay. So you can either A, go typical Star Ocean fashion, be completely, you know, sci-fi. And then, of course, with your teammates, since you're going to be with your party, you know, folks from your ship and things like that, and you're going to have a more a greater understanding of the universe... There's going to be a lot of stuff that makes sense to you that if you choose the other protagonist, you know, the princess, she's not going to catch any of that. And then, you know, the party members from her side, obviously, you're all just very concerned about the Empire taking over your area. And then so you get these two completely different stories, but they're entwined and each of them, you know, interacts with one another. basically, And you're going to understand more than what she's going to understand, but she's going to understand the actual world you're on a lot better than you are. And so the, the intricacies of that are going to take place. It was really neat. And of course, immediately I'm like, well, I'm fan. I'm a fantasy guy through and through. So I, I totally want to play as Pr- Princess Leticia. And then I also heard that if you're a newcomer to the series and just trying to really get in an RPG, that she's actually the route you should go first. And just play her, and then later, if you know you're still interested and want to see kind of the other side of it, then go play Raymond. But either way, it's a dual protagonist game. You pick one or the other after the very beginning. A little intro sets in. I told you it's an action RPG, huge open world where the bad guys are on the screens. They're already roaming around, and then as soon as you engage, there's no loading screen. There's nothing. It's you run straight into the battle and you get going. And, of course, your whole goal here is to use the three characters you have in your party to combo, move it up, you know, use your combo attacks, use your skill sets. And, of course, it has one of my favorite skill, uh, you know, skill slash attribute systems there. It's the grid, Matt. You open it up, and then you can just go any which way you want and build your character out. You know, the grid, you know, you follow the grid lines over here, and or here's going to be like a somersault attack. Over here's going to be like a magic thing. There's a lot of defense on this bracket, a lot of uh, attack over here. And you do whatever you want. You pick. Every time you get more skill points, boop, 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 you build out whatever you want to do. So each character can be anything you really want them to be. And, of course, while you're in combat, you can switch between characters freely. So, of course, you got attack power. You know, that's kind of the whole basis. And to regain attack power, you have to stop attacking. So, basically, you go to one character, use some combo attacks, you know, chain things up, do what you got to do, immediately pop off of them. They'll, of course, restrain from attacking, run around. The AI will control that portion, which you can set to obviously do that, regain attack power, and move on. So, looks like a really fun attack, you know, whole combat system going on. The world itself, the environment's, Look very, you know, unique and fun and different, but I will say the graphics do look kind of PS, I don't know, PS4-ish, you know, a little old, a little dated, but in RPGs, I can forgive that as long as the gameplay is really fun and the story is very engaging. And then beyond that, it looks like the uh, the traversal, which is very important, is really unique because you get this thing called a Duma, and what it allows you to do in the open world, which from what I hear is very, very large, you get to fly. So you'll you'll engage the Duma, and then for a set amount of time, because it decreases you know your stat bar, you can fly to wherever you want. So you'll be able to reach high places, low places, all sorts of stuff. And then also on top of it all, just traversing, which from what I hear is really cool, when you see like a bad guy on the screen, you can use the Duma to jump into combat and then do like a special down attack, which allows you to just pummel them, do a crit attack. And then from what I hear from the previous game, it's push forward into this. 
it's basically like a surprise attack. Anytime the enemy doesn't see you or you're, you know, going from the back, you'll get like crit damage and, you know, it'll engage all sorts of extra bonus points, this and that. And it's the same when you're using the Duma. So, like, if you engage and you do some combo attacks, use the Duma to fly away, and they're still engaged like your party members, you can then Duma it up again, fly back in, boom, get critical attacks once again. So it just opens up way more in the combat section as well as while you're traversing. You're using this thing to get to all over the place very, you know, very fast, very expedient. And then on top of everything else, like in every good RPG, you go to the towns, you go to the cities. They've got side quests all over the place. And the only cool note I'll say about the side quests, Matt, is that not only do they have a whole separate screen for like your side quests, so it's nice and succinct and just over here so you can just disregard if you don't want to do it, but it's there is that every time you complete a side quest, you have the option just to immediately transport back to the quest giver and turn it in. You don't have to, like, go, oh, where was this one at? And, you know, Seleucia Village, I I don't remember, crap. You just go, boom, quest complete, return, yep, and then, boop, you're right in front of them, here you go, and then you get your rewards for the said quest, and you can keep moving on. Are there downsides to that? Yes, but I love that option, because uh, there were always lots of times in many RPGs where, I don't remember what the hell I was even doing or why this, this side quest is popping and I had no idea who to turn it into. It was a whole thing. But this game allows that. The music is done by the composer who's done uh, all of the Star Ocean stuff. So I'm probably pretty good. I'm not, a, I'm not a good judge of that. Like I said, I've played one long, long time ago and that was it. But from what I hear, it's really good stuff. Solid RPG. I'm just saying, I download the demo as soon as we're done tonight. I'm actually going to go play it immediately and then go into Yakuza because I want to check it out. I think y'all should too. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I'm ex- I'm excited to play the demo because I have the exact same history with Star Ocean that you do. I played that same one. It was ridiculously deep. I, I got to one of the screens where here here's all the skills you can do and all the levels you can acquire in it. And I went, it's too much. Like, the game wasn't hard, the story wasn't difficult to understand, I didn't get lost anywhere, but I looked at that and I went, I I threw down my pen, I was holding my pen and I went, no, I'm not going to do all that. It's always been one of those series that I look at and I go, I should get this next one, this new one's coming out, I should should get it and try it. Now there's at least a demo, I'm going to try it out, if it hits, it hits, if it doesn't, it doesn't, and it will go on the list either way. And now it's time, boys and girls, to talk about what we teased earlier in the show, We're going to talk about New Tales from the Borderlands. And I'm going to tell you, I started my night on Friday with New Tales from the Borderlands. And I played episode one and I went, okay, I need a break. I'm going to play some Overwatch and have fun. And you know how that turned Mm -hmm. out. The very next night I played episode two and I needed a break. And, well, I didn't have anything to break from. So the next day I went, that's it. I'm playing the rest of it. I had nothing else to do other than going to see Amsterdam. I'm a a Band-Aid guy. I got to rip it off. It's got to go all at once. I can't piecemeal it throughout. It's got to get done. So all day Saturday, I played New Tales from the Borderlands. Here, let's let's start off with good things, though, Eric, because I'm not going to have it be said that we're complete haters. Tell me some good things about New Tales, unless you loved it. Did you love it? Did you love it? Tell us. Well, I played over the course of the whole week. You know, got in there a little bit. A smidgen Friday, smidgen Saturday, smidgen Sunday, smidgen Monday, all the way up to Wednesday night, last night, and where I finally beat it. And, no, I didn't love it, man. I didn't love it. Um, yes. I told you there was some mixed parts, though, for me, where there were some jokes and some things that were actually fun. And, I, you know, 
chuckled or went, oh, okay, cool, fine, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're, you you put me in a spot. I'm supposed to give you good things. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't really have good things. I don't really know. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm like trying to think of some good things. I know good things. <laughs> that There's one thing you told me. You were like, I like this character. We like the Vaultlander fan. The badass yes, Vaultlander fan. The TDR guard who showed up. He was always entertaining. He showed up in fun places. He would have a funny reason for being in his fun place. And because he was this side, just goof character who was obsessed with this goofy thing, that fit. I liked that. He, you know, a, a side character who doesn't make any sense. That's what Borderlands is all about. That's where the crazy goofness has to be. And he was there, mm-hmm. and he brought it. I liked, I liked seeing him every time he showed up. Yeah, that that definitely was a highlight of the game. Him, especially like in the refrigerator back at Fran's yeah. yogurt shop, just fantastic. You know, talking about the AC there, you know, free AC mm-hmm. this and then. What a, just a bit, and then of course coming out of the uh, the morgue. Oh, this is a full spoiler. We should have probably said that at the very beginning. Okay, so so yeah, here, here officially, neither of us really enjoyed it. If you want to know more about it, keep listening, because we will talk full spoilers. I'll, I'll probably, like, when we get to, like, endgame, endgame, I'll remind you again. But, yeah, there, there's going to be spoiler talk here. If you don't want to hear us talk about anything like that, skip to the end, because there's, I mean, there's a thing at the end that we're going to play. It's going to be cool. But there you go. There's, there's your official spoiler warning, everybody. So with that, yes, the different environments he showed up in and stuff, that was great. He was a lot of fun. And I will also say good things. Danielle, what a good thing. Uh, Pico, right? Paco? Paco, yes. I always forget his name. Why do I always forget his name? You know why? I can tell you why. Because he wasn't in enough. Yeah. They didn't utilize him even remotely enough. And then what was Trash Can Man's name? Little old... Little dwarf that has the uh, explosions. That's the one I completely forgot. I, I had it. Exactly. Bef- I had it before when you talked about him before. It's completely gone now. But like you said, there's a reason for it because they set up these good characters in one scene, and that's all they were in. Especially the dwarf with the explosions. I still can't understand what in the world they were thinking, because I thought surely. You know, he's on the phone talking about his professionalism and how if you, you know, you order through him, he's going to make sure the explosions are you know, perfect and mm-hmm. tuned to what you need them to do. Then, of course, there's that whole scene where he goes, oh, you need to get rid of this. Toss the bomb back. Boom. Blows up. The ratch comes out. Everything's cool. You're kind of learn about your phone system, the call-in system. Mm-hmm. This whole system yeah. that I thought was going to be utilized throughout the entire game. That if you're in a pinch, you could call Danielle or said individual or, uh, you know, Paco or whatever his name is with the tacos. And, of course, they made you very aware, like, hey, he's all about espionage and getting in and getting into places, knowing things. She's all about sniper assassinations, handling business. He's about explosions. And I went, cool. I can't wait to keep a mental note of that. And then whenever I need them for their particular set of skills, I'm probably going to have an option to either handle myself, call in aid, mm-hmm. do whatever. That didn't, it didn't happen. That it just never happened. Period. Yeah. That's it's, it's a good mixed with a bad because I liked all those characters. I liked the system and you did get to use it once, once two minutes removed from the scenes where they were set up and introduced to you. But the setup had no payoff. Mm-hmm. You set it up and paid it off in two seconds, and it never came back again. And I think that's that's the story of a lot of stuff with this game. Stuff is set up, 
I mean, you and I talked about it. There's a big thing that is so set up and it never gets paid off. It's like, it's, it's almost like they started working on episode one, had all these great plans. And then for some reason, it all just got cut, all slashed and cut. All the stuff, they, all the choices you could make in episode one to try and turn things. No, this is, that's not how it's going. Chop, 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 chop. But another good thing, I will say just villain characters in general. I liked Susan Coldwell because she was a character that had a goal and a motivation, and she mostly made sense. I liked Brock. He was my favorite because he hated all the main characters and was trying to do whatever he could to screw them over. And just the interaction you have with him at the beginning is awesome. Like, oh, you have the choice to shoot soldiers or this mailbox. You shoot the soldiers. Like, oh, you're so bloodthirsty. What a monster. And then, like, you shoot choose to shoot the mailbox and he shoots the soldier instead because what you wanted to shoot was the mailbox. His, his, little, his stupid little robot logic for that, that made me laugh. That was funny. TDR guards, whenever there were more than one TDR guard, they had nice little banter back and forth. And then, I don't know why, but I liked Fran's nemesis ladies. They were always just mean and like mean girlsy enough yeah, cruel. Yeah. Like, there was the one at the start where she's in insurance inspecting the Frogert shop. And I actually got her to sign off and give me the money. And she was like, oh, Fran, you know, you have a moment because of the choices I had made. This was, again, like an episode one set up and payoff. This is how it's supposed to be. The choices I made made her side with me on this insurance thing. But at the end, she goes, oh, Fran, you know... It makes me wonder, maybe I should have been nicer to you in high school. And she does like a, a wrist touch. She's like, touches Fran's arm. And then she goes, oh, no. And it made me laugh so hard. Just these mean, evil characters you're supposed to not root for. I liked all of them. They were all a lot of fun. Now, on that end, uh, Susan, I did like. I liked Susan up until the end. And we'll talk about that more when yeah, we get yeah, there. Yeah, the end end was kind uh, of. The yeah. end of that, it. It didn't hit for me, but I did like Susan up until that point. Right. And, you know, I really enjoyed her uh, definitely, you know, especially towards the end, before what I'm talking about, where she was on the uh, platform talking to the other CEOs, etc. A lot of fun. Really cool. Yeah. Really engaging. Uh, Brock was just a goofball. You know, he was fun. You, I think you might be liked him more than I did, but I did enjoy him at least. You know, I had a good time with him. I like especially his little banter with Octavio. and yeah. Just, yeah. You know, trying to get him to care and then the whole thing going on in that little part, that was really nice. And I do 100% agree with you. The TDR soldiers, their banter was ridiculous and fun and definitely had the uh, the Borderlands vibe right, yes. 100% to it. The only downside I had to that was I think even that sometimes, and like and you mentioned it, with too many of them, it, got, it almost went overboard. Yeah. And there was one moment that kind of was like, eh, I don't know. Uh, when the bomb came back and they they were all standing there and they just went, oh, of course, and they blew up. That's funny, but the realism me, yeah, yeah, goes no, nobody's just gonna go, of course, ha <laughs> and laugh and blow up. I'm dead. You know, yeah, like so. Like, I'm like, no, you would at least dive or or grab one of the other TDR soldiers and throw them on it. See, like that to me, that would have been even funnier. Yeah, if he had a reach over and went, Tom, what go and then poof, and then the others got you know, Tom all over them, and now they're traumatized and say some other gags or jokes. That would have been more funny, more hilarious for me. But like, there's moments like that where I was like, it took me out, and I was like, oh, that, oh, that part was funny, <laughs> and then oh, what, what, oh, holy crap, what, 
Now it went too far. Yeah, it went too far now. They were silly and stupid, and now they're just stupid. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened with the the TDR troops a lot of the time. Whereas, like, I was chuckling, smiling, going, yeah, this is cool. And then, whoop, into pure crazy, and I don't understand why they're doing it at all, what they're doing. And then I got confused, like, oh, gee, well, okay. These are the dumbest people on the whole planet. <laughs> are you, are you Gearbox, like, trying to say soldiers are dumb? Like... Like idiots, you know what I mean? Is that like a statement they're trying to make? Like they got no brains? I don't, or or why? Which doubly doesn't make sense because I mean they do take over the planet, and sure it is a different company. It's Tdor, but I don't remember the Maliwan soldiers being a complete joke. Mm-hmm. There were a couple bosses in Borderlands Three that were goofy, but when you fought them, they were a boss. They had a big health bar. They were a raid boss, so they felt serious. And Maliwan always felt serious because they looked so technologically superior. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where, like, if you're trying to make TDR look like a joke, then why are they the main villains? Why isn't everything they do a joke and you just roll over a minute? I don't know. It's, it was weird. Yeah, it was very strange. Very strange. But uh, as for anything else I liked, I don't know, it's hard to it's hard to say. There was, like, like I said, there was just little moments here and there, there where there was some good humor, you know, going on. Uh, like, I, I, I do like the, uh, the joke with... Um, in Fran's yogurt shop, when she freezes, what's his name? He comes in very early in the story, and he's Hector like, "Hey, or whatever his name yeah, is, yeah, you're gonna give me your profits." And then I froze him. I didn't kill him. I chose not to kill him. Same. I just froze him. And that was a neat joke because it it lasted the entire game. Yeah. Anytime we went back or a new character got you know sorted out, it was a new. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't 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 mind him. He's he's just cooling off. He's gonna be okay. Don't worry. And then, you know. And I feel like that was. The only one I can think of where you made a choice in the first episode and it actually lasted throughout the rest of the episodes. Because like you said, he kept coming back because somebody would go back there to do something and there he is. I kept waiting for them to go back and him not to be there because they forgot about the choice that I had made. So I'll, g- I'll give them. The, that's a good one. They got a good one. There, I mean, like you said, there were a couple jokes here and there that I liked. I liked when they're teaming up against the vault monster – Again, spoiler alerts, but that's only in episode two. They team up against the vault monster, and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. Okay, what are you going to do, Anu? And she goes, I'm going to hit him with the coup de gras." And she holds up the device. And Octavia goes, you're going to hit him with soup? Like, that was the kind of dumb humor I appreciate. Mm-hmm. That, that, was, that was one good line, and it made me laugh. And then the other good thing that you've forgotten about is the skins. The cosmetics oh, you can buy yes. for everybody yep. were awesome. Like, they started out, and it was just recolors of what they were wearing. And I went, oh, this isn't going to be good. But when she got to the second one, and when she especially got to the third one, I was like, okay, this is it. This I like. I'm going to make... Anu in her hot pants. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make Anu in her yoga pants and her, like... But I loved her, like, weird bun hair. Yeah, like She went from the single bun to, like, double bun oh. in, like, the dreadlocks. She looked really cool. I mean, even in the second one where she was like a, a glowing skin alien looking thing, it made me <laughs> – this, this is going to sound bad. It made me like the characters a lot more because I wasn't just looking at their same faces that I've been getting mad at for the course of three episodes. Now they're changed. Okay, they look kind of cool now, so I kind of like at least that they look cool. You got uh, alien I ones? I got well, like, like punk the- rocker ones. Well, I mean, in one of them, like, she has purple skin with, like, glowing oh, eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I see so she kind of yeah. looks alien-y, yeah. Okay, I was thinking, I was like, man, did you even get different skins than I did? Because I, I was super, I really like the punk rocker vibe where she had the, the pixie cut 
and then was wearing like the you know the whole metal jacket type thing. But like you said, once the hot pants came and everything, I went, oh man, this is ridiculous. Of course, I gotta wear you know yoga pants and have the double buns. And it was fun. Mm. And then of course, Franz, I I man, I was so excited because Franz thrusters got to change colors. Mm. But I don't know, maybe do the choices I made. I never got more in the red. I think I got a purple right like right towards the end. Yeah, I think right towards the end, maybe I got a purple too. But yeah, I wanted a lot but, more than that. Yeah, I was I was thinking, oh sweet. I'm going to get all sorts of different colors that I can match up with whatever I'm having her put on and whatnot. But I only ended up with basically red. I mean, granted, I'm not mad. Red's, you know, my favorite. So mm. it worked out for me. But for everybody else, I'm sure it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be great. And then kind of didn't really uh, do more than a couple for that. Unless we missed options, unless there was a lot more Possibly, that we yeah. didn't get or something along the way. I don't know. But I will speak to that. But, yeah, the skins were really cool. I just wish... Um, the only downside to that is I wish there was more opportunities to change the skins. Mm-hmm. And and I'm an idiot. And in the beginning, whenever I took a character to the uh, change system, I only, only thought you could change them. them yeah. I never once, until all taught midway through, looked up and saw it. You could just L2 and change to Anu, Fran, or Octavio. I just kept going, okay, well, I can change Anu because I'm playing as Anu right now. Boop. Next time I'm Fran, oh, let's go see what Fran's got. And I did that until... Not late, late game, but late game. And then I went, oh, crap, I'm stupid. I could have been changing them all up the entire time. So that's my own fault. But still, at the time, I remember going, what the hell? I want to be able to change this up a lot more and they're letting me, man. So now we're talking about character appearances. So I'm going to start turning more towards the negative because I'm out of the things that I really liked about the game. I mean, graphics look good. Voice actors did a good job. Performance capture Mm -hmm. was good. I mean, but that's kind of like a given. Yeah, everything looks solid. But my, my segue to characters is Octavio popped on the screen and he had his little intro, his intro scene. And I, I, I liked the intro scene because it reminded me of uh, Into the Heights, which is a movie I just watched about a, you know, a bodega in New York. And like the owner knows everybody on the block. So he's in the intro of that movie. He's going, hey, you, hey, you, hey, you. It was like that. And I went, okay, cool. But I'm watching it. And I'm like, but why do I not like Octavio? I'm looking at him and his face is just pissing me off. I don't know what it is because he's just a character. I've never seen him before. This is a scrawny dude with bug eyes and a little rat mouth where his teeth are hanging out all the time. And he thinks he's hot stuff when in reality he's just an idiot. It's Eric Britz. I realized that halfway through, it was the scene where he had Brock and he was trying to get Louis to cross the street. And he had like, he had an Eric Britz look on his face. He He had the exact expression I've seen a million times from him. And I went, that's why I hate you. That's why I hate your face. So when I could change him, I was happy because he didn't look like him as much anymore. But mm-hmm. it just, it stunned me. I looked at the, the big, wide bug eyes and the, because he would always stick his teeth out like, he, he, he. That's, that's him. That's it. That's the thing I was going to hit you with. It blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> See, and unfortunately, I didn't work with Eric Brits enough. To actually put that two and two together. That's true. You know, it was always very simple with me and me and Eric back in the day. Just, hey, how are you doing? Okay, bye. <laughs> so I didn't get to see any of his nuanced angry faces and or aggravated or tired. None of that ever was brought. <laughs> All I ever got was the, hey, buddy. And yeah, that, that was yeah, about I can, it. You can see Octavio do that. He, he. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's right. his exact face. Come on For now. For sure. <laughs> but, of course, if you're speaking to characters, I thought for sure I would like probably Anu and maybe Octavio. 
Mm. Fran was always the wild card for me. Going in, Fran, I did not understand whatsoever. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't get what was going on. I wasn't sure what the hell was going on. And I we talked about it just the other day. Even up to the end, I didn't really understand Fran. I just didn't get Fran. I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on. Even after the story of her past, I still was like, but this is still weird and makes no sense. Octavio was the, I, I liked him at first. I ain't gonna lie. Because I was like, okay, he's the doofy idiot, thinks he's street smart, da 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 But he's got backup. He had Danielle, he had What's-His-Face, and then, of course, Paco, the taco man. And I was like, cool. They're gonna teach him, they're gonna train him. He's gonna become what he needs to be. And I'm like, this this I can deal with. Yeah, I can deal with an idiot who learns to actually be a streetwise cool cat by the end of the story. All right, Octavio. Unlike you, I was like, I'm fine with you. I can, I can, I'm, I'm down. I still like Octavio. Anu came on at at the very beginning while she was with Fuong or whatever. No problem. Not really too weird. Not too crazy. I was like, yeah. okay, she is a scientist. She's over doing scientisty things. She's, she's yelling at Fuong for not doing the science stuff that they're supposed to do. These are two friends, so they're kind of being goofy with each other. They yeah. have a goofy vibe. Like, you and I goof around more than I would goof around elsewhere at work. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I get this. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was fine with her at the beginning. Then she went to the interview, the whole shtick with Reese and whatnot, and it started to crumble. It started to mm-hmm. fall apart. She was started acting all weird and doing the... The things where she was like, oh, oh, and And I was like, okay, maybe she's having an episode, social, you know, because they did say the social anxiety. And I was like, all right, this is your boss. He's a huge CEO of an entire company. I'll forgive it. Cool beans. No problem. Still liked her. It's like, fine, we're cool with this. Then all these things happen. Everybody gets together. Story progresses. And who just keeps doing it. She's even doing it with her brother. Yeah. Whom she should be the most comfortable with. Of anybody, and she was still doing it, mm-hmm. and it it made no sense to me. It drove me absolutely up a wall every time she was talking. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. We'll get back to Fran and Octavio in a second, but I a hundred percent agree with what you said with Anu. Because I mean, I know socially anxious people. I am one. I don't like being in front of people talking to strange people. But you know what? All those socially anxious people do when they're in those situations, is you, you get real quiet. Or you, you stammer a little bit, but you get real quiet and you don't say a lot. And what is Anu, what is her entire character? It's nonstop talking, flailing, and gyrating all over the place, all the time. It drove me absolutely up a wall. Every time that there were a couple times in the story where she would go out by herself, and I, I sighed the sigh of a man who knew he was doomed every time. She'd walk alone into a scene, and I'd just go, ah. Oh. Because even without characters there, she'd just nonstop flail and gyrate and talk to herself. And, and then another character would come in, and she'd have to keep going even more, and oh, oh, flailing and bouncing and, and spinning around. And, oh, gosh, I hate being the center of attention, but I'm going to make myself the center of attention in every single scene. In all the character previews, I expected her to be the straight man. She's going to be the smart one. She's going to be the one who's trying to keep these idiots on the straight and narrow. And she was the worst out of all of them. Of the three of them. I could not stand her at all. Any scene she was in, I couldn't deal with it. Octavio, just I didn't like his look, but sometimes he was kind of funny. He he was just a, a doofus. And Fran, I, I couldn't understand either, but 
for Octavio and Fran and Anu too, like they have these character foibles, these character quirks. Fran is angry all the time. Octavio is just dumb. Anu is weird. But every dialogue choice I would pick from episode one through four, I'd be like, all right, let's not be stupid. Let's not just turn into a rage monkey. Let's not be just a spaz. Let's pick all the professional options and the options that make sense. And they're trying to make you smarter and for free and calmer. And I would do that. And in the scene, they would kind of mellow out. But then the next scene would come along and all that work was gone. They would be back to doing something stupid again. That's one of my biggest problems with this game is all through the game, I picked options to make them better than what they were. And at the end of the game, at the end of episode four, and especially in episode five, again, big spoilers, they're just so stupid that they just completely spiral into what I spent so much time making them not seem like, and that's what gets them caught. And what gets Fran out of her predicament in episode five, I'm trying to make you calm and and collected and keep you cool. Oh, the only way to get out of it is to just, I'm just a rage monkey. And I'm fine with it. Yeah. That that should have been the end of her in my game, because she wasn't that. So, oh, if that's the only way to get out, she's dead for the rest of the game. That's it. And you completely said it. Every option where I was like, all right, learn to be calm, learn to be cool. I I restrained Matt from doing what I would love to do, which was have her just murder everybody who came in. I went, nope, I want to try to play this game and get it like a good ending where everybody survives. And obviously her being a psychopath and murdering everything is probably not the way to go to get the S tier, A tier ending, whatever. So I refrained and refrained and refrained. And every choice that came back was always just reset. Mm-hmm. I'll kill everybody. Or don't. I'll don't. Okay. Now the next option. You would think would have been, don't kill this or don't harm this, and then a couple other calm, smart things to do mm-hmm. with it. You know, one regression route. You know, obviously you always want to have one route to get you back to being a psychopath if that's what you want. But no, it was always just, Rage out, don't rage out. Rage out, don't rage out. Rage out, don't rage out. And anytime she was free to do as she wanted where you weren't controlling her, she typically just chose to rage, be a a crazy person anyway. Yeah. So it didn't matter that I was being calm. It didn't matter that I was just trying to get her to become a reasonable human being. In the scenes where I didn't actually get to pick, she just did whatever was dumb and wild and punching things anyway. So... It's like the game was like, nah, we actually do want you to just be a psychopath with Fran. So you shouldn't have given me any calm options the whole way yeah. through. It should have been nothing but rage. It should have been zany to super zany. Yeah. You know, either, hey, well, let's let's punch the door in and, and maybe knock him out. Or, hey, let's punch the door in and kill him. Oh, let's punch the door and kill him and kill their children. Yeah. Let's just blow the whole building up. Rah, yeah. freeze the whole exactly. building and shatter it into spikes. You know, whatever. Because then I could have got along with it. I said, okay. Fran's Fran, she's just a sex-slash-violence maniac. That's what she wants to be. That's what she is. Fine. Cool. That's what you made. You made this character who's just a psychopath. All right. I can play with that because that's what you made me. You're not giving me false options or false, you know, ways to tame her down and to get some kind of cool thing because she just does what she wants to do anyway. But they didn't. They they tried to make it seem like you were going to be able to create this whole new character by the end of it. And it didn't happen. And that's the part that it didn't happen with any of them. Yeah. 
Octavio didn't change. Andrew didn't change. Fran didn't change. And last thing on Fran, because we made an awesome point when we were talking about this offline. And, you know, Fran goes nuts at the start of five. That's how she gets out, episode five. And then Octavio meets up with her immediately afterwards. And he goes, hey, Fran, it's you. (laughs) Oh, hey, Fran, don't you recognize me? (laughs) Like, she literally turns into an animal. And I said, you know, she should have just been a jabber. She should have been a jabber that Anu had made a little bit smarter. Because then all the violence, all the sex, all the just no progression whatsoever. Okay, you're trying to teach the jabber to be normal. But in the end, it's just a jabber. And it's just going to run wild and break stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. This doesn't. We know people with anger issues, and they don't just literally snarl and growl like beasts when they get angry. Like some kind of feral animal. Yeah, it was so ridiculous, especially at the end game where that was. Yeah. It just it, it completely took me out. It was like, hey, I'm a human. Oh, I actually doing all I'm like, what in the world is going on right now? And you said it. If it was a jabber through the entire game that had like some kind of vocal implant and was trying to become a human due to Anu's experimentations mm-hmm. or something, because you could have tied it all in, all of it makes sense. And now I go, yes, that's what jabbers want. Sex, violence, craziness. But this jabber's trying to be something better than that, and it has to fight with all of its care, with all of its urges to not be just the rage-filled crazy thing. And then, even when it did, I would have said, okay, well, it's a jabber. What do you want from a jabber? I mean, it's doing yeah. the best it can. And even the jabber could have been like, oh, man, oh, what, have, what have I done? Yeah, uh, I'll try and be better later. And then mm-hmm. be better like Fran is throughout the rest of the final battle and all that stuff. Because she doesn't she doesn't even do that in the final battle. You've just proven your giant mech thing, which we haven't talked about yet. Like, why didn't you do that on the bridge? Why didn't that happen? Yeah, why didn't that happen? You've learned to overcome this, but you don't use it at the most critical moment. Mm-hmm. I'm, getting, I'm getting hot, so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to dial back to Octavio, too. Because you said, you know, nobody grows, especially Octavio... He was the one that pissed me off the most because, you know, he starts off, he's just an idiot. He's just dumb. Okay, he's going to learn. He's going to hit a wall where at this point he's got to be serious. He's got to start taking things serious and save his sister. He's got to save his friend. No, he doesn't. He has he has like a that little moment in the jail cell where he like realizes he has worth, but it's because he's worthless that he has worth. And then he goes, and then, what are you, you going to do during the final battle, Octavio? I'm going to listen to hold music on my Ecto device, and I'm going to get up out of cover Dance. and start dancing. Everything I do is just going to be the dumbest thing. The dumbest thing humanly possible. And again, super spoilers for episode five. In episode five, Anu is looking back on her past with Octavio, where they broke up, oh. and she went into space, and he stayed on the planet. And A... That's not shown at all. When they meet up, they're like, oh, man, it's my sister who thinks she's too good for me. And she's like, oh, it's my dumb brother. And then immediately, they're working together all the time. There's no rift there. So why did you have to heal a rift, set up a rift, heal a rift, after you've shown through four episodes that doesn't exist? But in that scene, when she's like, oh, I've come to appreciate my brother more, which they don't have a real-life moment about that anyway, but he literally says to her, and I wrote it down on the sheet of paper, And this is, you know, the Octavio that's in her mind, in her psyche or whatever. He goes, oh, so you've seen how far I've come? He hasn't come far at all. It hasn't moved at all. He's exactly where you left him. And he's doing the same things, which is why you left him. He's 
completely inconsiderate, flying by the seat of his pants, doesn't know what he's doing, is completely irresponsible. But somehow you're supposed to see that he's grown when he literally demonstrates in every scene, in the entire game, from start to finish. He is not responsible. He has not grown. None of these characters have changed. It's all... All the exact same. But he was the worst, because it tries to tell you that he's changed, but he clearly has not. And I'll, I'll dig into that too, but I'll say it's what we said in the very beginning when we were talking to one another about this, is these characters aren't characters. Mm. They're just characters. Yeah. They don't exhibit change. They don't exhibit learning. No common sense. Stay, Nothing. You know, no common sense. Everything they do is just this base thing, the essence of what they are, which is stupid Weird as hell, and then of course rage slash sexual on the other on Fran's end, and they don't ever change from that thing. It just goes on and on and on and on and on, and that's where I just it, it loses me. And in that moment right there was the ultimate takeout. You know, she's dealing with this alien entity that's stuck inside of her, which that goes weird. Where you feel like they're coming to an understanding of one another, and it's trying to help her yeah. figure out her stuff in her head. And, of course, that has the whole moment with Octavio, which we already said, oh, you've changed so much. But no, you haven't. Neither of you have changed at all. You're both the same people. The only difference there is at all is that you actually, you know, just come down to, oh, I actually do love my brother. If, you know, I, I, I kind of was a, an asshole for just leaving him. Yeah, yeah. That's like the only thing you learn. He learned absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. whatsoever. And then to top it all off, okay, I've helped you figure out, like, stuff. Now can I take over your body and consume your soul? What the fuck? What is it? Yeah, that that entire thing was, in my head, was supposed to lead to them teaming up. Combining. Against Susan Coldwell, who would stick the red red one inside her. She's the evil one. You're the good one. Fight, fight, fight. When they become whole, like... When you can separate that from her, they'll merge and You'll then disappear merge and go away. Yeah. yeah, but it did. But it turned <laughs> evil, and then now they're both evil, and it was. They were inherently evil, but he helped <sighs> you like figure out your problems and solve everything. Why would and he do went, that? Why would he do it in the why first he, place? It made no sense. Why would he talk to you at all? He would have just gone. Rrr, rrr, make us all take over. I'm just yeah. it. Yeah, it made no sense at all. I was like, what? So, for those of you wondering, yeah, if you didn't know, the green crystal goes into Anu, and then, of course, they're like a spirit apparition of said crystal comes about and then starts talking to Anu and trying to convince her to do stuff and then helps her, guides her along in the mental state. So, in case none of this makes sense to you, that's kind of what was happening. And, of course, we thought there would be growth there. None of that happened. And instead, at the end, it literally just said, yeah, now let us go and take your body over and uh, die. Well, who's going to pick that? Yeah. Who's going to pick that option? It makes zero sense at all. I should have. I should have. Because by the end, by episode five, I was so tired of everybody. I was picking all the bad options. I was failing QTEs. And most times it was just game over. But at least I did get to see somebody get an axe to the face and stuff. And they, she was hanging there. And I went, okay, I should at least do the ending right. Because surely the ending will come together. And it'll be something really good. And it f***ing wasn't. And I, I thought back, I was like, you know, I should have just let her, because one of the options was literally give up and die. And I went, I should have pressed X 
I should have pressed X, but probably it wouldn't have let me do it. It probably would have gone through and all kinds of other stuff. But yeah, it was it was a stupid choice, but I, I mean, I should have just made it because I was... Mm. I'm sure you're right, though. It probably done a Marcus thing. Oh, surely the Volt Hunters don't want that. Mm. Try again or something of that nature. Yeah. Now, before we get into the ending, though, I want to backtrack a bit because I do want to talk about all the failed spots in that end where they could have used the damn call system to call your friends and help you one last time or do anything like that. And yeah. we got to talk about the mech portion. But I want to get Louie and one other thing out of the way. I was going to say, there's so much there's to talk so about. There's so much. It's too much. I mean, we could go on forever here. This is going to be it could be ridiculous. So Louie was a saving grace here for, for a large chunk of this, honestly. Mm-hmm. I loved how he came in. He's an assassination bot. That's what he does. Hey, give me your name. Oh, there's a contract. Crap. Poof, blows your head off. Simple, fun. I loved it. I like you. Don't ever tell me your name so I don't have to see if there's a contract. And then he got to the point where he's like, I won't look up a contract for your name just so I don't have to kill you. But if I did, I'd have to kill you. So because we're friends, I won't. Yeah. I love that whole dynamic. And I love the, the simplicity of him just not caring about anything. Like you said early on, uh, Octavio was trying to get him to like cross the road. And he's just casually crossing. He doesn't care because mm. he's not meant to care. He's an assassination bot. He doesn't care if he lives, dies, or whatever. His only job is to get a name and a contract and kill said person. And the best part is there's a scene in there where he's getting shot at. And Octavio goes, whoa, dude, why don't you hide and duck? And he goes, I'm an assassination bot. I'm impervious to most forms of damage. Set up. The payoff is he's fucking lying because he dies. Dies. Like from just a regular ass shot. So, I mean, obviously that's here nor there and you have more to talk about. But talking about that reminded me of the scene where he says, oh, yeah, I'm just pretty much invincible. And then four episodes later, you're completely not. What? You weren't. You actually weren't. Except for he was rebuilt. So maybe you could argue that since he was able to just be rebuilt again. He is kind of impervious, as long as there's somebody to fix his pieces for him. Oh, well, he didn't get rebuilt in my ending, so at least the, at least you got. Oh, that. in my ending, he got rebuilt and we, he lived happily ever after. Okay, he wasn't okay, in my so ending the, at all. Oh, okay, so there's different endings. Apparently, Louis can be gone forever or not. Spoiler it again, in case you're <laughs> In mine, he did come back. However, great. He was a fun character, had a lot of really good moments. I liked how he would like, oh, while you're doing your emotional bullcrap, let me just power into this power and, and get my energy back. Mm-hmm. And, and and of course, they made it like sexual, like he was going in and it was like a, a pleasurable thing for him while he was plugged in. And it was kind of like a little running joke, which was fun. I had no problem with, had a good time with. And then they had a moment where he started like questioning himself. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, what am I? It made me so mad when that happened, when they're trying to guilt him over assassinations. And he, as soon as they're done with Sink or Swim, he comes back and says, oh, no, I'm having an existential crisis. Because in the first scene with him and Octavio, I had Octavio ask him, do you like your job? The one question you can ask him. All the other ones are stupid. And I was like, I don't care. Whatever. Do you like your job? He's like, I'm an assassination bot. I get paid tons of money and I'd kill people. I perform my primary function. It's great. So he goes from that to in the blink of an eye, not like over the course of the game, just after that one kill, boom. Oh, maybe what I do is totally bad. But I set it up that you love it. And Octavio loves it because he goes along 
completely with no problems. All the options where you could be like, ah, maybe this is wrong, Louie. I went, this sounds great. Can't wait to get that money. That dude shouldn't have kicked that skag. He sucks. Woohoo! Give me the blood money. Give me the money. Mm-hmm. And then Octavio's trying to guilt him into it and then somehow succeeds. It, it ruined him for me. It killed it right there. Yeah, well, and then staying with that, it didn't matter because even if you were like, oh, cool, he's getting a conscious, they get to the moment, the big moment, where Fran's up against the wall. She's about to be down and out for good. She's with Louie and goes, Louie, I need your help. And they set up a laser pointer. And they say, we put a contract on this laser pointer. And then Louis completely disregards the fact that Fran's about to die, that she's in immediate peril, and just starts like a cat jumping at the laser pointer over and over and over again. I see what you're trying to do. Like, it's a kitty cat chasing laser pointer. How right. it's all that. Wow. It made no sense. It made zero sense. You just try to lead me on this whole path of Louis becoming sentient, you know, Louis becoming emotional, Louis having actual thoughts of his own besides the contract kill. And then you go, actually, though, you know what's funny? No, contract laser point. And he jumps around like a cat while Fran's being brutally murdered. Okay. What the hell just happened? You just completely derailed Louis from what you were trying to set up. And on top of it, too, he's a smart character. Like, he can analyze situations and see what you're supposed to do. And we put a contract out on this red dot here. Oh, what's generating the red dot? It's a laser pointer on top of this gun. gun. They should have set it up. TDR idiots. (laughs) This will fool them. (laughs) I put a contract out on this red dot. And Louis should have gone, oh, no, here I go to get the dot. And walked over and crushed the laser pointer in his hands. Contract complete. And then looked at him and shot him both in the face. That's, that's how it should have been. But they don't know how to pay off a joke. It's just, the joke is just, let's just make it as stupid as possible and just make him just run around like an idiot. No matter what the scene is. Like, if they had done it earlier in a scene that's just, you know, he's waiting outside the door for sink or swim and two guys run up and like, huh, you're that assassination bot, right? Put a contract out on anything and you'll do it. That's the kind of scene where you put in the laser dot thing. Not the crucial climactic scene yeah. where his friend's life is on the line, his friend who he's gone through these adventures with and cares about. Ugh. And then you made me think of two more, not just one more, besides Louis and his adventures, man. Oh, my God. The funeral scene, the funeral parlor scene, and then the sink or swim. Mm. The whole event. When the one doofus comes out, I actually, which, by the way, I liked him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Finnegan or whatever his name was. or Phileas or something. something Phileas. With F. Yeah, yeah. He was awesome. I liked him. I actually chuckled quite a bit with his uh, his whole act and everything he did. And the whole, the whole scenario of you sabotaging his product. He goes out. And what a showmanship spot. You know, he was so confident in what he had. And then um, I forget what the showman, uh, the character's name was up there. But. He he put on a show, you know, oh, today you're going to show us. And it was a whole bit, and it was really well played out. Just like you were on a game show. And, of course, he ultimately, spoiler, died. You know, he killed him. And then you come out, and it completely and utterly changed. Yeah. It was super deadpan. What do you got? Oh, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to change the world. No, we don't care. Do you want to talk all day? Show me the thing. What's- Show me the product. Show it. That looks like crap. What does it, looks it do? Looks stupid. Yeah. It it may it, it didn't match at all what had just previously happened. 
We were on a game show having a good old time. Guy got killed eaten by sharks. We all cheered. It was all fun. Anu comes out and it was just, hey, what, what? Come on, let's move along. I just want to, actually, I'm just a sadistic murderer who wants to kill you, which he'd already shown even when he killed the previous guy because he was all super happy about it, mm. you know, and we got that. We, it, but then you just like, that's all you nailed together on the second part was that you actually just want to murder people. But instead of even keeping the show going, you just completely let the show die and said, yeah, I just want to murder you and, and yeah. go home. Let's go. It, it pissed me off and threw me off and didn't make any sense. And then to boo, Octavio, you did such a great job. Wow, what a performance out there. And I'm like, no, it wasn't a performance because he just cut Anu off all three times and just ended everything each time. She didn't put a performance on because there wasn't a chance for it. What are you talking about? And that, that whole scene, that on its own would be enough for me to not like that scene. But then at the end, okay, Anu is getting dropped into the sharks. Okay, here we go. Fran's going to save her. Can we do like a quick time event to fight the sharks? You can, but you don't get to see it. You just get to have Octavia go, oh man, wow, she punched that shark. She ripped his eye out. Wow. Oh, it's so crazy. And then they would show the far shot and that tank had two sharks in it. The whole time when the dude was there, when Anu was there, there's two sharks in that tank. Oh, Fran is killing so many sharks. And it would pan out, and there was a little bit of blood effect in the water, and two sharks just swimming in circles. Not even, like, roiling, like maybe there was a fight going on, just lazily swimming. As Octavia narrating all this action that you don't get to see, that's not shown, not even hinted at. Nothing. Nothing. You're showing me nothing, and then talking about this cool thing. Do I have to just imagine it? Is that what this is now? Like... What happened? What what happened there? Mm-hmm. And that was exactly what you said. I feel like they didn't want to put that together and make it an actual thing. So they just took the, the stock scene, the stock part, and just kept it there. And you just had to use your imagination and have fun with it. But it was wild. It just it didn't make sense. And it threw me off and it really bugged me. And then, of course, the funeral parlor. I won't, we won't have to stay too long on this. But it is something I want to bring up. The whole she's not running out of oxygen. And then it panned back to Anu, who's looking through the damn freaking coffin out at said individual saying she's going to run out of oxygen. Yeah. She has holes large enough to visibly easily see you talking, saying she's going to run out of oxygen. That's not how it works. You can't run out of oxygen if there's giant holes in the damn coffin that you can actually just see through. At the outside of the thing, it's not like it even looked like it was flat. It was slats of wood placed side by side. This... It made me so mad. It was inconceivably awful when I saw that. And was like, and then she's punching the thing. Oh, 5,000 more punches. Well, you know, maybe use your legs because you're skinny. Get your legs up and push. And like when she gets out, oh, I can finally reach down and heal myself with the heel beam. That you're skinny enough to have squatted down and grabbed each time. Punch, ow, zap. Punch, ow, zap. Punch, ow, zap. It, the, oh, the whole scene was just, I mean, I get it. You're referencing Kill Bill. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great movie. That's a great scene because there's so much setup that pays off in that scene that you get to see when she's going through the flashbacks. I I love that pop culture reference, but the execution was awful. And now here's where I have to say, one of the things I dislike most about this game, other than the characters and not growing, your decisions don't matter, there's too many pop culture references in this game. And I know that sounds like blasphemy because in the original Tales from the Borderlands, there are a lot of pop culture references, but they're ones that... You, the player, make. Scooter's billboard. You can choose CU Space Cowboy. 
That doesn't make any sense in the world, but it makes sense to me. That's a Cowboy Bebop reference. I can put it up there. And all it does is it just shows it. Nobody comments on it. Boom. Okay, perfect. Harmless. There's a scene in New Tales from the Borderlands when they're talking about how Juniper is going to guide you to the vault. And Fran goes, that'll do, Dutch. That'll do. She puts on a weird accent to say the line from Babe, which is a pop culture reference. Nobody comments on it at all. I get it. How does she get it, though? How does everyone else not react to her putting on a weird voice and saying a weird thing that they shouldn't understand? And I'm going to tie this back to the original Tales from the Borderlands. First episode, you enter into the big death rally. You put on your psycho mask. Vaughn is on the little motorcycle in front. Fiona gets up on the top, and she can say one thing to fire up her motorcycle crew as they go into the death race. They're all three of them pop culture references. One is, time to kick the tires and light the fires. One is, I feel the need, the need for speed. Two, that makes sense in the world. You're going to kick the tires and light the fires. Okay, it's something about going and zooming. One is about the need for speed. we got to go fast. When she says either of those, Fawn looks over and goes, yeah, all right, well, I mean, let's try and get the money while we're at it, because you're looking for the money. But the third option is, you're the man now, dog, from whatever damn movie that was that Sean Connery said it in. Here's the key, though. When Fiona says it, she doesn't say it in a Sean Connery accent. You're the man now, dog. She says it like, you're the man now, dog. And since it doesn't make any goddamn sense, Vaughn turns around and goes, why did you just say that? And even Fiona has to go, I don't know. And it's hilarious because you threw it in there. It doesn't make sense. The characters reacted to it because it doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any damn sense. That's comedy. That's humor. And this one, it was so much just, Louie, at the end, he, I forget what it is that Anu's saying, and Louie's there, and he goes, Slay, girl. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense in the universe. And also, you're just dating the game super hard because now you're using modern lingo, and ugh, I couldn't believe it. I was so mad at that point already. And he goes, Slay, girl. If he had said it while she was killing something, and he said it, and it, it didn't mean what he's saying it means. That's comedy, but he just says it, just because it's it's cool, and that's what the kids say. Slay, girl. <sighs> Horrible. We haven't even touched on Timmy. Timmy, man. Oh, the ultimate setup and no payoff character. <laughs> I mean, well, he himself pays off, but uh, okay, I got I got to go on the biggest rant on this one. I know uh, you you have a, you have one too, but Timmy's warping through time and space. He's showing mm-hmm. up randomly. He's, he, stuff is happening. He pays off because he, he shows you different things in the game. But when he pops in, when they're fighting the vault monster, he goes, Vaulty, we're going to go on so many cool adventures together. Whoop. And everybody goes, what the hell was that? And I went, okay, so that means, that means the vault monster's coming back. We're going to see that vault monster again. You've set it up in episode two. It's going to pay off somewhere down the road. Somebody's going to be in a sticky situation or a tight pickle, and the vault monster is going to show up and go, like explode the bars of a prison and then warp away. That's how they're going to get out. Get to the last boss. The boss. They're fighting the boss. They're doing nothing. They're all useless. They're completely worthless. And I thought, this is it. This is the payoff. It's fine. They've set it up. They're finally going to pay it off. Vaulty's going to come in. He's going to eat the last boss. And then poof, everything's going to be gone. And everyone's going to go, what happened? And Anu will go, ha ha. Guess I made a right decision for zapping him. 
Guess what does not happen? He doesn't show up at all. Not even in the end credits. Not in the end thing where Timmy's just zipping through space. Vaulty's nowhere. Gets absorbed, by, uh, gets absorbed by the crystal entity, apparently. Says, I think I can control it. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. At, at the end, he does. But yeah. where's Vaulty? You told me he's going to be hanging out with Timmy. Where is that? Nowhere. Why did? Why is the line there then? What? <sighs> and that's the two things. Like, uh, there's the other part. The other little quick rant of Timmy. He appears again, Matt. Later, with the da- and he goes Anu. It's the scene with Anu, and he goes here, and he hands her a spatula, a giant spatula, and immediately it, they don't even they don't even try. She just looks at it, drops it, walks away. It's never mentioned again. It's never talked about again. Yeah. What? What? What even? That didn't. What? It made no sense. It wasn't funny because it has. There's no reference. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. It's just him handing her a spatula and disappearing. So, like we talked about, like well, at least have put that in your back pocket or something. Short animation, you packing it somewhere, and then later on, yes. Yeah, like we said, reaching out of the the prison doors to reach some keys and use the spatula to get out, or uh, even in the you know I don't think it happened post funeral scene, so I guess that don't matter. But any other thing where you could have used the spatula and Timmy gave it to you, there you go. Mm-hmm. Timmy appeared, gave you something that meant absolutely nothing to you at the moment, but you kept it, and now it paid off later. Nope, just dropped on the ground, walked away. Nobody says a word. Nobody mentions anything. It's completely dead. That's not a joke. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't tie into anything. It's just a complete non sequitur. It's not even a yeah. setup. It's not a payoff. The, the action isn't even funny. He just handed you a thing and she just went, toss. Yeah. And so it starts to make me even disregard Timmy, who yeah. I thought you were setting up to be like a major character to help out the, the crew as they went through the game. But you throw that in and I go... Oh, okay. I, don't know. I guess it's just some dumb robot doing random things that make no sense. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Go on. And then, like you said, the Volte didn't make sense. And then in the end, all it was was she used her goggles to hyperfocus, and he was inside of, like, the neurons or whatever pointing mm-hmm. over to the thing they needed. Uh, it's like, well, sure, you can use that, but you had so many other clever ways you could have implemented this instead of that. To make Timmy a thing, not to mention Timmy apparently has already seen a billion things, but yet at the end you want to say, I think I can control it, and merges with said giant demigod powerful being thing. Like, well, didn't he just go on like a wacky adventure and seen all sorts of different realities and everything? Really? Like this is how you end it? I I can do it, even though these people can't, and I've probably seen God knows what I've seen, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And then of course immediately so it gives you that ominous weird feeling like he didn't actually control it and now Timmy's set up for being a bad guy in the next Tales from the Borderlands game yeah and you mentioned the end and I think that was the most I mean I was already tired of the game I was already happy for it to be over they went to the Marcus scene at the end and who spoke up in that Marcus scene it starts out Marcus I'm like okay you're just gonna close the game I'm gonna see credits I'm just gonna be done with it it's fine Fiona speaks up. Fiona comes back. Uh-huh. I literally said aloud, no. And then I said, don't you dare. Don't ruin one of the characters, one of the awesome, one of my favorite characters 
from the previous game, who was a literal character because she was a, a person and she had her foibles, but she went being. through things and she she had initial feelings about Reese and Vaughn and she overcame that through her experiences. She grew as a character. She and Sasha and Reese and Vaughn all together and Loderbot and Gordas and the whole crew. Don't bring her back and ruin her. I don't want to see, obviously, I don't want to see another Tales from the Borderlands unless they fix it. But I definitely don't want her ruined in the next mm. game or whatever they're planning. Don't turn her into a character. Yeah. She is a wonderful character. That's that's the problem. Just make her the narrator. That's the, that's the most you can do. Just have her narrate the story of three more goddamn idiots. But you can't... I don't trust them anymore. They don't know what to do with this with this formula. They don't. They sure don't know what to do with that character. Yeah. If she comes back, she's going to get ruined, and I don't want to see that. We didn't even mention the last fight either with Susan Colwell. Yeah, yeah. Awesome baddie. Awesome baddie, man. Yeah. Pretty cool. She was. She was clever. She was just a kind of a bitch, you know, handling business, cold, calculating, cool in the CEO member meeting. You know, just you guys are idiots. I took advantage of all your dumb things and did this and this. And then in the end, jams the damn things into her, knowing what it does, mm-hmm. and it, you lose yourself. You become the the demigod. Mm-hmm. What sense at all did that make? None. None. She was all about herself and the power and the journey and being the best there is, the biggest there is, the boss of everyone. She would have never, in my opinion, of what I understood of her character, yeah, I'll just give up me and die and you can just be a demigod in my place. The demigod didn't even care about the situation and even said it. I'll just fix your problem and then I'm leaving. Yeah. So you weren't even going to get to stick around and and rule or be the T. No, the alien said it. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll kill all these people who annoy you, and then I'm gone. I'm going to go do whatever it is or wherever it is I'm supposed to go or do because I'm some kind of weird ultra-alien entity. It made no sense. She wouldn't even have done it. Why are we even here? Because she would have never actually done that based off what you showed me as her from her as a character. It just bothered me. It's just, okay, well, this makes, once again, this makes no sense. I have no idea why any of this is happening. Okay. It felt like, uh, I remember back in the day, because I was a big Batman Arkham Asylum fan. Back in the end of that game, Joker injects himself with the mutagen venom and just turns into a big monster. That's not what he would do. That's that's what she did here. I'm just going to turn into a big monster now. It goes completely against her goals, her wanting to control and rule her things. Yeah. Everything she was about, I'm just going to destroy it because I'm, I'm real mad right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Just like so you said, weird. it made no sense. Like with so many things in here, it made no sense. Just so so much of it. And then, of course, even at the end, uh, where's Daniel? Where's Dwarf Man? Where are you going to call him with the explosives? You know. Radon. Uh, Radon. That's his name. I, re- I finally remembered after an hour and a half is. of ranting. It's Radon. <laughs> where's you know, Paco? And, and, of course, they, they did appear in the end for a minute, you know, doing their thing and stuff. But. Mm-hmm. I wanted more. You know, I just wanted so much more than it gave. Here's another one. Here's another good character. I mean, potentially good character. How about Stapleface? She shows oh, up. Oh, yeah. She disappears. She comes back and, and dies instantly. Not instantly, dies. but dies. 
You could have done so much more with her. You could have had her tagging along with Anu when she went to the corpse place. You could have literally anything. And I mean, I thought her set, her reason for being in Tidgore was kind of cool. She doesn't want to be a psycho anymore. And hey, they got a good gym package. Okay, cool. But just like with all the other cool characters who are on the side, she's not like a straight character, obviously. She's a wackadoo psycho. But that's a character you could u- reuse and, and, and put in all different situations and, and help out and have fun with. But instead, hey, we, we wrote her in one scene. What are we going to do with her next? I don't know. Okay. Well, who can help him get out? Uh, I don't know. Put staple face there. I guess it's cool. What are we going to do with her afterwards? I don't know. Just have her get shot. That's Even though Anu can heal you, she did it in half a second in t- like two pre- scenes previous. Now she's having problems with it. What's happening? Why is this? Why? Yeah. You just remind me of all that. Now I'm even sadder because, uh-huh. yeah, that, that was another part that bugged me and bothered me. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this last part right here, man. The only thing that I did like, I did like at the end there, was the conversation that Reese has with them once they've got their business up and running at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I did chuckle one last time, at least, when Reese said, yeah, but you know what probably should have happened? Maybe did you ever think at any point to call me once I sent you to go get the item out of the vault, which I knew what it was and what it did? Mm-hmm. If you had called me and said, I got the item, Reese, we could have gone a whole different path and everything would have been different. And none of this stupidity would have happened in the first place. Why didn't you guys think of that? One simple thing. And I'm like, I laughed. Yeah. I went, you know, it's exactly right. If you'd have just done one thing smart, one thing, and he at least it's pointed out in the game, one thing intelligent, all of us could have been different. Mm-hmm. But nope. Nope. You just couldn't stop being ridiculous. They couldn't do one thing right. None of those nope. characters. And that was your last thing. My last thing will be, we, we talked about it a little bit. But then we got off onto other tangents. Yes. <laughs> the pixel art fight between yeah. Fran and oh, the sponsor yeah. bot. Mm-hmm. It started I off, I started off really mad at it because, oh no. And they had the camera pan up. Oh no, sponsor bot is turning into a giant monster. Look out, Fran. He is turning into a giant monster. Can we see it? Can we see anything in game engine? No, nothing. But then it did transform into the pixel art. Uh, that's that, w- that was one line that I chuckled at at the end there. Huh. Might I suggest a new fighting style? Perhaps a, a side-scrolling RPG or whatever it is, he said. Mm-hmm. And then it went into pixel art RPG. And I, I giggled. And then there were we had other issues with that and, uh, and whatever else. But I appreciated the pixel art. I liked the RPG thing. I'm an RPG and fan. And you a little battle theme and yeah, everything you get else. a battle yeah, theme. You well get to choose together. your skills and attacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that. That was nice. I like that. But you didn't tie it in. Also, the whole point of that was she finally went mecha. Mm-hmm. And got a hold of it, got it under control, and then at the end didn't even use that form to stop Susan once she became the yeah, crazy yeah. monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that led into the whole thing you were going to talk about earlier. That's true. But then yeah. it leads into a whole other thing we didn't talk about. That's free labor, free labor, free labor. Why? What? Ah, ah. <laughs> we're too long in the show. We're too long, and I we didn't even talk about free labor, guys. Oh god. We'll talk about it real quick because what's the message on that? Is it that interns are just sexy free labor? As people who employ interns, shouldn't you not have that position? Like, 
even he has that position on himself. He, I don't understand. I, I don't. I don't get yeah, it. He, like he's just this brainless guy who's okay with free labor and being just eye candy for whoever wants to see him be eye candy. And like we said, like we said offline, if they had a scene where, oh hey, clean up the place, idiot, you're just free labor. He just loves it. Ha ha. He's free labor. And they walked out, and the camera panned to the left, and he went, man. This internship sucks. That's all you needed. You've set him up as just this weird, dumb character, but in reality, he's a real human being. Just like that would be the message of companies and interns, and they just use them for sexy free labor, but they are real people underneath. Isn't that the message that everybody's supposed to get behind and understand? Like, they are real people, mm-hmm. but he's not that, a real person. Yeah, no, he's just a, a, once again, a character. Of just complete ridiculousness. And then, of course, on top of all of that, it reminded me of another thing, which I won't go into detail, but I'll just say, everybody in here wants money. Is Their goal is to hustle, to do what they got to do. The corporations want money. All the main characters, they want money. They got to hustle, make money, make money. Big old capitalism is evil. But you're, all of your main characters want to hustle to make money. Capitalism is all about making money. So even that was like, well, that's weird. You want to go make money and get up, get up on the other guy to make more loot. That's what capitalism's all about. Screw it over the other guy to get more money for yourself and becoming rich and famous, etc. All your characters want it, but you say it's bad. But it doesn't make any sense in the context of the story you're telling here. So what 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 message are we trying to go with? So it's just like the free labor intern issue. It's like hey, you're sending mixed messages. What do you want to do here? Yeah, you 100% said it. Like if Anu's first inclination, which has the healing ray, is we need to open up like a street side clinic and help these people. No, their first thought is let's market it and sell it and get some money. And sure, mm-hmm. she says we need to do testing on it, but she doesn't say. No, no, we're not going to use this to earn money. We're going to only use this to help people. She gets on the money train, too. When they lose money, she gets mad about it. Money, 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 everything money. But capitalism is bad, y'all. So, yeah, there's lots of issues. Are soldiers smarter? Soldiers dumb? Capitalism, socialism, what are we wanting here? Freaking interns are bad, interns are good. Just a lot of stuff on the side there. Like you said, it, holy cow, just all in all, just wild. Just wild. Last thing, last thing, then we're done. It was the first thing I thought of, and then it's the last thing I'm remembering right now. The first Tales from the Borderlands. I bought it all at once and played it because it had such a good reputation. Yeah, so did I. But if I was into it when it was coming out, I would have bought episode one, two, three, four, five. I would have had a blast. I would have bought them all. This one, if New Tales from the Borderlands was released episodically, I would have bought one, and I would have bought two. And I would not have bought any more after that. Maybe if I was really trying to be optimistic, I would have bought three. Would not have bought four and five. I feel it was a smart decision. Like they're being capitalistic in this endeavor by making you buy the entire pack at once, Matt? I feel like it was a good decision on their part to make me buy it all. But I feel really bad about it. Because I didn't enjoy my time with it. Almost at all. So why why was it this way? Why did you structure it in episodes, but then not release it that way? And does that tie into why cool stuff can't be shown on screen in Engine, like the Sharks or the Sponsor Pot? Did they get cut short on time, and so now it has to just be released as a package, and here it is? Because, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused, and I'm 
I'm upset that I spent all this on this big package that I don't like, when in theory I could have bought one and two and then gone, okay, that's, this isn't for me, and saved 30 more bucks or however many more bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But instead, you got you got caught into buying the entire thing at once, yeah. and now they've got the profit off of you, regardless of whether we're here upset about the game or not. Doesn't matter. They got the profit for all five episodes from you because that was the only option they provided, and here we are. Capitalism at its finest. And I'm not trying to say anything <laughs> shady about it, but it just, uh, I don't, uh, I, I don't like it. It makes me feel bad. Yuck. Ugh. Yeah. So unfortunately, everybody, man, just not it. Uh, if you like the things me and Matt like, I don't know if you're gonna like this game. <laughs> But assuming you listen to this, you probably already played it. And I mean, hey, if you are listening to this, I mean, whether you've listened to all this or not, and if you played New Tales from the Borderlands and you loved it, great. Awesome. I am happy yeah, for good you. Good for you. Like, I, I don't get it. I've watched a bunch of reviews. Some people seem to really enjoy it. I'm glad for them. I'm glad for you. Don't think that I, you know, if you like it, I think you're stupid. No, yeah, I, I'm no. not saying that. I would never say that. If you enjoy it, that's great. But man, we we just did not. And look, we've gone on for forever. Over like over an hour specifically about it. So it's not just like we just we just went, it sucks. Ha <laughs> ha lol. Anyways, talk about something else. No, we you've heard why we don't like it. And I've I don't know. I, I got nothing else. Got nothing else either. And unfortunately, yeah, we are way over. And it's to the point where my family's about to be back anyway, so <sighs> But I will say let's go from a downer. To an upper, because we have a submission from a Third Shift podcast listener. A wonderful tale, maybe not so wonderful for Eric, but it's a wonderful tale everybody should listen to. I don't know how to segue in because it's been so long, and I'm so tired, and I'm like exhausted now from reliving my my past traumas here. But we have a, a fantastic submission. Let's hear that right now. Rituals. All of us have one. That little bit of our will we exercise to control this chaotic world. Don't believe me? Consider your morning rituals. All the steps you go through just to get ready for your day. What would your day be like if you decided to break them? Would everything continue in an orderly way? Or would it gradually decline into an unmitigated hell? We all know the answer. And that's why we continue with our daily rituals. All that is fine and good. However, did you ever consider the symbology of such actions? No, I didn't really think so. Why should you? Life is complicated. You have your everyday life to worry about, and what does symbology have to do with any of this anyway? Which is a very good point. Symbology has very little to do with our ordinary world. Ah, but we don't live in an ordinary world. And symbology contains a very potent energy, especially if it's taken for granted, which is a lesson one of the hosts of Third Shift is about to learn for himself. Did you know that before the show, our friends go over their show notes, check Discord and the mics for functionality? All of which seems innocent enough, all very reasonable in fact. They care about the show, and not just the show, but the listeners as well. They want the show to be the very best it can be. However, there is an additional small ritual that by itself seems innocuous, 
but as we'll soon discover, has very serious consequences. At the start of the show, Eric will greet Kawakami. To him, it's only a character from one of his video games. To me, it's so, so much more. Addressing an inanimate object as if it were a living soul is an invitation. It's an offering of possibility that in some way they just might be. A possibility that our kind longs for. For in that simple acknowledgement is a clarion sound that spans through reality and resonates through my entire essence. It's a starburst that illuminates the deepest blackness that has bound me for so long and shows me the path to you. He does not know it, but he has called me, and I have answered. Listen now. Can you hear it? No. That's the point. It happens over time. As long as I am greeted, I am placated. However, when I am forgotten, even for a moment, I am free to act on my true nature. Chaos! To be free to feed on misery and carnage. That is my gift to this world! Yet, it takes time to regain my strength after being summoned and I can only work little wonders until my strength is renewed. My first act was to convince Eric that he wanted to fight a bear when he vacationed in Alaska. Funny for me, and an action that would have gotten him injured or even led to an excruciating death for him if he tried. When he didn't, and I knew he wouldn't, the frustration he felt suckered me. A small start, yet as the saying goes, from tiny acorns mighty oaks are born. Next, I damaged his computer. Twice! Oh, I can still recall how good all that frustration, anger, and misery tasted. It was so satisfying that I did it to his PlayStation as well. The whole experience was like a royal banquet to one who was starving. However, as satisfying as that was, it only left me wanting more. Over time, again and again, I would heap misery after misfortune onto him, and with my success, I gained newly added strength. My personal favorite was when I decided to flood his basement. Brilliant, I know, and as fine a meal as I could have asked for. Still, it was short-lived. What I really needed was a way to cause grief over a long period of time on top of the problems I was actively causing. Then it occurred to me. What's more horrific than a home project that never seems to end? That's where Eric's deck comes in. Oh, how delicious. All those negative emotions. Every time his pain eater would get clogged up. The power I would derive from these moments is indescribable. As I've said, it has taken time, but it has given me all I need for the next phase. What is the next phase, I hear you ask? Oh yes, I can hear you. Or, for that matter, why am I telling you all of this? Well, for the first question, what does any parasite do when it no longer needs its host? I don't really need to spell it out, do I? At least, not in this case. For you see, I've hit a bit of a setback. While I've been enjoying my meal, Matt has become suspicious. No one should have such a run of bad luck. 
He even made a suggestion in episode 319 that could have defeated me and forced me back into my dark prison. I can't have that. I'm too strong now. I have to act before it's too late. Do you remember what I opened this narrative with? Rituals. I must confess now that while it's true about how this all began, entertaining you with a story was never what this was all about. What I needed was for you to listen. I told you all in the beginning that humans never really considered what their actions might lead to. By listening to me, you have acknowledged me. You have invited me. Can you hear it now? Thousands and thousands of souls calling to me. And now I am going to be part of their lives and end them. And how fortunate just in time for Halloween. Oh, don't be scared. In honor of the holiday, I'll make you this Faustian deal. Because I wasn't able to claim my first victim, but was able to spread my darkness to the listening audience, I'll consider sparing your lives if you do me this tiny favor. Leave a five-star review for Eric in Third Shift. This will cause Matt to grieve and grant me the revenge against him for thwarting me. If you don't, well, that's just more for me. Be seeing you. Happy Halloween. <laughs> so I, I didn't know that our listenership extended beyond the real world into the realms of I'm not even sure where that came from. It just kind of showed up literally on my computer. It wasn't in an email file. It wasn't, it just appeared and it said, it said, put me in show is what it said. So I, I, I did well, it. Please don't hurt me. Bodes, bodes well or not well for us. Don't probably. hurt me. Don't hurt me. I don't know. You can hurt me. It's fine. My soul's gone. It's already gone. It was sold for 10 cents at Gorman's food market a long time ago. <laughs> so you can't do anything to me. At this point in time in my life. But now, speaking of souls, I don't want to leave that demonic thing's tale to be the only thing. I will abbreviate tonight, since we went so long in our review of New Tales from Borderlands. But I do got to say, I had a very strange dream, boys and girls. Okay? And it made me kind of wonder. And I've had dreams before that have made me wonder, too. But it was fresh. This one's fresh. All right? I just got tattoos of my daughters in, in fairy form. On my arm. I'm a big guy, Brian Froud. You know, I love Brian Froud's work. I've, you know, read several of his books and all of his, you know, picturesque stuff and everything. I had a dream because of probably that, because it was fresh in the mind, that I was living my life. And this dream was one of those 30-year dreams, man, where I was just alive for a long time. And it came to a point where I met this woman. And she was about our age. And she just was really cool, really chill. And we can actually start talking, hanging out, nothing serious. Obviously, in the dream, I'm still married and everything else. I still have kids. Nothing's changed except meeting this person that I've never met. And eventually, it gets to the point where she invites me out to this, like, little cool shindig out, out in, the, in the woods and everything. And I'm like, well, sure, I'll come out. It's, I don't want to say it was like a drum circle, but I don't remember anymore. It's vague. So I go anyway to this. And sure enough... She's got this whole weird setup with all sorts of strange eldritch drawings and things going on on the ground. I don't run for whatever reason. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. What are we doing? And she starts to do this this chant and this this weird dance. 
And as she's doing it in the dream, she changes, man. She changes into like a Brian Froud type weird frumpy like fairy slash demon. I don't know what. And I'm enthralled. And I'm like, is this where I get to actually go to the Fey world, you know, and see everything I've always thought was really super cool and awesome? And as she's doing it, and I'm just getting enthralled and raptured by what the hell's going on. Off my peripherals, all of a sudden, I see different creatures coming at me. And I don't know what to do. I'm, I had this such a moment, Matt, where I was like, do I let them come to me and become a fae or do whatever's going to happen? The problem was, is as they got closer, the teeth were off. Something was off. The, the vibe started to change. And I couldn't tell if they were fae or demons. And I... As it got closer and closer and closer, and the chanting was just getting more ominous, and the woods started to vibe and just change and became like surreal, like not there, like paintings instead of actual forest and stuff. And there was this one on my left. It was like a little girl type fey creature, but she had like a weird tail, like snakish tail, and she was just kind of waggling up to me and getting closer and sharp little teeth. And I'm like, you know, some, and I'm thinking some of the, some of the teeth in the fae, they're, they're sharp teeth. It's okay. Right. At, at the end of the day, Matt, I don't know what I did in that dream. I woke up and had no memory past that one getting pretty damn close to me. And I don't know what happened. Did I stop it? Did I wake up before it ended? Or am I now already damned? Am I already something else? Because, you know, they say dreams have power and that things you do in there might relate to what you are and who you are in this world, as well as many others, if you believe in all that craziness. Did I lose another piece of myself or was it all a dream or did I stop it from happening and now the doors are closed to me ever going or seeing any of the fae and the fairy worlds, etc. and all that? I don't know, man. But it makes you think when you have a dream like that, what the hell is going on? Why do we have these freaking crazy dreams like this all the time? At least for me, anyway, all the time. What's it mean? What's it doing? What is my brain, even if in a scientific, what the freaking crap is my brain doing giving me this? I actually think that is a fair question because I don't, ha- I don't have them often. But sometimes I do have those 30-year dreams, those week-long dreams, those month-long dreams. And I wake up and I go, and I have to touch like myself you have to touch and, and my yeah, surroundings like, and go, oh, okay, here. am I... In the bed that I've slept in for a month? No. Oh, oh. And it, it and it's wrong for a minute. You touch it and it's like, this isn't my bed. Oh wait, this is my bed. This this is real. Mm-hmm. How does what happens in there? And why like you said, why does that happen? Like granted, you know, you and I like want escapes from our daily lives, but for that long? Like how does how does that not happen every day? How does it happen some days? What triggers it? Why? It's a good question. It's a good question. And I just urge everybody to think about that. Have you ever had those dreams? Something happened? And you just can't quite remember why or what happened? Hmm, maybe something did happen. Maybe you're a little different than what you were. Who knows? But if you know the answer to that question, email us at thirdshiftme at gmail.com. Find us on the Twitter machine at thirdshiftme. Hook up with us on Facebook under Third Shift. Hey, you know what? You can also do that for any kind of thing. Just want to say hi. You want to tell us how wrong we are about new tales from the Borderlands and tell us that we're dumb idiots? Fine. Do it via any of those channels. I'll even read it on the show. If you tell me why you loved it so much and why I'm stupid, I'll write it down. 
on this little Jackson branded pad right here, and I'll read it on the show. Don't don't test me. I'll do it. Well, actually, I'd love you to write in and actually say why you did love it. And I just don't call me stupid, but yeah, tell me why. So maybe I can see a different view of it. I mean, granted, I've read reviews and stuff that did like it, but from the listeners, you know, from the people who are here watching, listening to this show, I'd love to know your views on what you thought was good, bad about it. And that's actually true because the view, reviews we see, they just say, yeah, we thought it was funny. Why did you think it was funny, though? If you write in... Let us know your favorite parts, your favorite bits, your favorite characters, why you liked them. Because, I mean, I'm not one of those guys who's just like, this is my view and anything else is wrong. Maybe I'm missing some stuff that you all saw. Maybe I made some choices that the other, the opposite was way funnier and way more entertaining. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let us know that. And also, listen to the very next episode where we may be saying all that stuff if you do write into us, which will be dropping on the 3rd of November on iTunes and Stitcher on Pobby and on Spotify and on YouTube. And as I always say, hey, if you like what we're doing, you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a view, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services because it does help us out and we really do appreciate it. Oh, indeed we do appreciate it. Check us out over there on our old Patreon if you want to throw us some bucks or support us with those questions that we already asked you about with the new Tales from the Borderlands or get over to Spotify, iTunes, any of those places. Review us with the five-star ratings. It is the spooky time of year, so hey, you know what? Be nice to us and go give us that spooky five-star rating or a spooky five-star story. Anything would be very helpful, and we'd appreciate it so very much. Until that time, there's nothing else to say but... Don't don't forget to say (laughs) Shut up and sit down I'm not even me, Matt I'm not even me anymore (laughs) Ha ha ha